0: Hey, friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there.
1: I think for me personal development was understanding that leadership was putting people in the right place to succeed and making sure that everybody has what they need and that their voice is heard they have an opportunity to speak and influence the decisions that are being made not just being handed a solution that's kind of where the leadership pivot started to happen it's like aha, okay i can start to turn the lens around on myself and see what would i want from this and start listening more intently to please
0: A friend of mine posted on Facebook the other day, absolutely terrifying video. There's this company called Dinner in the Sky, and maybe you've, maybe you've heard of it. And they suspend a, a dinner table and chairs, a huge table, like like probably like 15, 20 20 chairs around it. And you eat dinner in the sky at different locations around the world. What? Um, yeah. yeah.
2: Would you do that? No. That sounds like terrifying.
0: 50, 50 meters suspended from a crane at a dinner table. And it's like bougie, man. They're like eating like, like, like sashimi and fine wines and champagne. Um, it's absolutely like heights terrify me. In fact, yeah. I was—I've always read, and I need you to confirm or or tell me that I've been wrong for a really long time. That there's two fears that we're all born with, and every other fear is learned: the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, that, I mean, I'm asking you, right? Like, yeah. That sounds I'm asking right to you me because you're the, you're the doctor so you should you should know that. So I like remember that's, that's,
2: being as a baby, I remember being scared of loud noises. What
0: about falling?
2: Definitely. That's why I'm babies to, always throw their hands I, up in the air.
0: I'm trying to find justification for being terrified to eat dinner at this hanging restaurant table thing. To say yeah. that this is okay. We're not here to talk about fears today. In fact, we're here uh, we have a guest but before I introduce him, I want to play a quick word association game with you. Okay. Are you ready? So I'm going to say a word, and I want you to say the first word that comes to mind. Okay? Okay. Crawfish. Boil. Okay, that's good. All right. New Orleans. Saints. All right. Shark Tank.
2: Mm, Business pitch.
0: Business pitch. Awesome. I'm so glad you said that, because that's actually... Well, I was hoping you would say that's the direction we're going to go because we're going to talk about uh, business, specifically entrepreneurialism today. And we have a guest to have that conversation with us today. His name is Michael Barr. Michael's been a, a longtime friend of mine. He is one of the owners at OPA Signs and Graphics. He's an entrepreneur. He has started several businesses. So we're going to have a, a fun conversation with him about some of the challenges and obstacles he's faced in business and then some of the Ah, uh, ways he has solved some of those obstacles. So Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, man, Tell yeah, us a Michael, little bit Welcome.
2: About, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here.
0: What do we need to know about you before we have this conversation? Um let's see. So I grew up
1: in a sign shop, not literally, but uh my dad and uncle started it about 40 years ago. Um and since I was a kid, I can remember just coming here um, we're located in downtown New Orleans, uh, right on the edge uh, of downtown. Um, so uh, our company's OPA Signs and Graphics. and I can remember just looking across at the Superdome. You know, the city was real big when I was a kid, so I just I learned business at a young age, just kind of watching it happen around me, you know, from the graphic design elements to the fabrication to the screen printing. there's just a lot of stuff going on. So I think, over the last few years, we've really just been dialed in as far as, you know, trying to figure out what makes the team, you know, cohesive and how do we put our strategies together to make us all kind of come together and and work as a team. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so you're kind of in a, in a, in a family business. So Mm -hmm. the question is like, where's the entrepreneurialism in that, right? This is more of a, of an existing business. Um, But, but over the past few years, uh, I think you've recognized maybe some challenges and how to fix those challenges or, or some obstacles that you faced in the business. And since then, maybe had some other little opportunities that that came about.
1: Yep. So I, I think that um, the entrepreneurism comes in um, with trying to find with the legacy business. It's it's pretty well established. You know, we've got a pretty stable client base. Um, and I think it's just more or less trying to find what's more efficient. How do we get from A to B a little quicker? How do we do it with a little more harmony? How do we you know um just do do things more effectively instead of um trying to do it the old way
0: you know so yeah so being in a family business um i kind of i kind of grew up in a family business as well on the insurance side my dad was you you went to a sign shop i went to a an office where Mm -hmm. my dad sold insurance a little bit i didn't get to see the superdome every day unfortunately Mm -hmm. um but I'm curious in in the transition of you taking more of the reins and you having more, I guess, decision making ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, explain that to me a little bit. Like, um, how was that a difficult process for you to be able to to have that authority, or was it was it an easy transition for previous ownership or not previous ownership, yeah. the current ownership, but the, the your your dad and uncle.
1: So I think the timing was just on on a really long timeline to get to where we're at today. So it, it kind of all started when um, a friend had recommended the Goldman Sachs program, uh, 10,000 Small Businesses, which is really great. I highly recommend it for anybody who's either in a startup or in a business that they're trying to get to that next level. Um, and so that kind of sparked this. I have these certain leadership abilities that, um, you know, putting teams together and figure out who's the right person in the right spot and how to, how to just, uh, you know, get the harmony going. So that's really kind of where it sparked. And then through that process um, came some, you uh, know, the book Traction, um, which was really impactful. And I think what it did was it took all the things that I learned from that program um, and, and put them into more realistic terms. Like, okay, what's, what now, what do I do with this yeah. information? How do I, how do I make it go?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're actually going to talk a lot about traction a little bit later. Mm. But I'm curious about your experience at Goldman Sachs. And yeah. the, you know in our, in our silly little word association uh, game in the beginning, one of the words was shark Tank And Matt said, business pitch. Yeah. So um, Matt, Matt and I and another friend, for years and years and years, at the end of every year, we would get together and we would uh, kind of present our business plans to each other. Yeah, and we would we kind of ask questions and poke holes in it and kind of seek advice. It was more of like an advisory board. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Matt Matt, who likes to name things, decided that it could be that it, that our business plans should be called Shark Tank. So that's a little. Uh, little it was backstory. always at the
2: the end of the year, and uh, it was it was usually like eight a.m. in the morning, and so you're coming to this office building, but you're walking into the Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah. It was quite thrilling for like a Thursday morning.
0: Yeah, it was. It was with muffins and muffins and espresso. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would send out in advance like a business plan, like a big a business planning sheet that would talk about strengths and weaknesses and mm-hmm. marketing plan and, you know, staffing and, and those types of things. And, and inevitably what happened would be, it would be us sitting there saying, Hey, I'm trying to make this decision in business. What do you think about this? Yeah. I'm thinking about taking my business in this direction. What do you think about this? So I remember our conversations when you went to Goldman Sachs because it was, it was almost all of a sudden, like there was this different language that we got to speak with each other about, right. about yeah. business owners.
1: And and for me, it just gave me that like moment where I could see the whole thing for, for, for what it is and understand it. Um, and I think it was a bit more abstract before. Um, so I think the more I'm in this space, the more I, 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 consume these types of information, the the more clear of a vision um, that I'm able to have and that the group's able to have. And I think that um, these types of programs are great because they just show you some of your blind spots. They show you some areas that um, you may not have clear vision on, or you didn't know that that actually might've been the reason you're not growing or getting to that next level.
0: I think what happens is sometimes as business owners, we confuse the roles that we play in a business, right? Like I'm a business owner, um, so there's there's an element of strategy and running mm-hmm. and operating the business. But I'm also an employee, quote unquote, of the business. I'm I'm, I'm responsible for actually executing sure. that strategy. And I think as business owners, we sometimes confuse those two roles, mm-hmm. and sometimes and oftentimes we neglect the the real business owner yep. role, right? of 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 the of the strategy. I know for me that was that was hugely problematic early in my in my business career and understanding those um, those two those two aspects. So it almost seems like the Goldman and everyone I've spoken to who's gone through the Goldman Sachs program they say the same thing. It's like they never aspects of the business that they never even thought about because they were focused on doing the work or executing the work. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I think also getting the. The networking that it comes with, and the ability to you know share struggles with somebody who's actually been there too, so it's an unbiased you know um, peer that can help you out and kind of get you unstuck. So I think for me, that that personal development was understanding that leadership for me was putting people in the right place to succeed um, and, and making sure that everybody um, has what they need um, and that their voice is heard. Um, They have an opportunity to speak and influence uh, the decisions that are being made, not just being handed a solution. So I think that that's kind of where the leadership pivot started to happen. It's like, ah, okay, I can start to um, turn the lens around on myself and see what would I want from this and start listening uh, more intently to, to our, our employees. Michael, that sounds like
2: as you're in a family business that you're, you're, You can get consumed, particularly early in life. You can get consumed with kind of the operation of the business, the function of the business, the the day-to-day task of the business. But at some point, it sounds like you were able to step outside of that, just doing doing the work of the business, and see the business in a different way, from a higher from a higher perspective, uh, you know, a a ten thousand foot view or something like that, where you're able to see. Not just what people are doing, but how they're functioning together as a group, what the dynamic is, what the system looks like, how the processes Mm -hmm. could be made more efficient. So talk a little bit about that feeling that you may have had where you maybe as part of this program were able to recognize, whoa, I can look at this a different way.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's that's spot on. So I think the idea is, um, you know, as a business is either starting up that's new or it's a legacy business or we're in a position, whether it's sales or if it's operations or we're in something we're doing sales and operations and we're delivering the product. We're doing you know all sorts of things, the different roles that we all play. Um, it's understanding that at some point you've got to pull yourself out of the out of the role that you play and start to see some sort of vision for where you're trying to go. Um, EOS has a really great um, illustration, and I'm sure it's borrowed by a bunch of different business books and scholars where it's like, you know, there's a a team that's building a road um, in a dense, dense forest. And so, you know, basically the plan is to get to the other town, um, but they all have machetes in their hands and they're just kind of hacking away at the forest and the bushes and there's no there's no semblance of a plan. So the idea of getting outside the business is somebody's climbing up the tree and saying, let's go that way let's let's put together a moment so but they'll they'll climb back down the tree and go shoulder to shoulder you know and start to to, to forge that road but the idea is to kind of get up and cast a vision um, and so working on the business and working in the business are two different things.
0: That's a good analogy and, and Michael referenced eOS, the entrepreneurial operating system, which is which is in the book traction that he mentioned which we're going to get to here um, in a second but I like that idea of being able to have, Kind of being able to see big picture and then come back down and and have a good a good sense of um, a good sense of of where to go. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, you know, just as a an, an aside, it's not really part of this uh, direct conversation, but as therapists, most therapists want to be in some kind of private practice at some point. But in the training to become a therapist, we teach you how to do the work of a therapist, which is often to sit in a room with a client but we don't teach people how to climb up the tree mm. and and mm. see out in the future and understand where the business is headed or how to set up the business in, in the beginning. So it is interesting in the sense of most of the people who are in my field want to be in business, but we have very
0: little direct training in being in business. No one so, does really. I mean, I think that, I think that's a, I think that's a, um, a general, I think that's across the board. I was fortunate when I was at Tulane. There were two classes that I took that were taught by um, um, a business owner. It was one was entrepreneurial management, uh, which which walked us through all the all those aspects of of starting and running a business, and and then another one was cases in entrepreneurship, which quite literally every class was a different entrepreneur presenting a problem that they faced starting their business or a risk that they faced. And the second half of the class was how they solved it, uh, which was, was absolutely fascinating. But Matt, like, I don't, people generally aren't taught how to run and operate businesses. Most people learn that by happenstance or there's a, you know, like Michael and, and a lot of other people who've gone to the Goldman Sachs, which is, which is a wonderful, uh, program that teaches people how to, to run, uh, businesses. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good point before Ma- Michael, before we get more into traction, I'm really interested to hear you tell a little bit of the story of kind of COVID your COVID experience. I've actually been wanting to get you on and, and talk about this and we just haven't been able to, um, to, to get the time together, but y'all had some, some interesting things go on or some opportunities that, that you were able to j- jump into, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Cause I think it's a story that, that should be shared
1: yeah sure so it it all happened kind of in a blur and i think it still is kind of a blur um uh i was in a meeting um for an entrepreneur group about you know being in a peer group um and it i had just gotten a text from my wife that all the schools were closing right and so that was kind of the pivotal moment somewhere mid-march where everybody's like okay this is different this is real this is happening um and so we had a roundtable meeting here at OPA and we all were just trying to figure out what's our plan there's so many unknowns um and so our our, the word that we kind of came up with was opportunity there's gonna be an opportunity somewhere to do to do good or to to keep you know keep our people on the payroll um, to just keep this thing going without it completely shutting down and so um, Mm. we had to shut down for about a week um and an opportunity popped up i got a call um somebody said hey i'm, I'm working on a prototype for some face shields um auctioner and some other healthcare professionals um are are having some ppe shortages and they they don't have what they need and so would you guys be willing to cut some prototypes for us for some face shields and i said yeah absolutely send me the files um so i i uh, we called in a sh- our small team of people that can execute, you know, the CNC routers and laser cutters. And we just kind of got to work on prototyping. And so it went through a couple of rounds. Um, and then fast forward to a couple weeks later, we're producing, you know, um, I don't know the final count, but it was somewhere north of thirty five, forty thousand face shields, um, which went to various uh, healthcare facilities. Um, because a lot of the PPE in that early stage was not um, readily available because the supply chain was so disrupted. Um, Nobody had anticipated or had a stockpile ready to go to keep these people safe. So a lot of respiratory therapists, um, our neighbor, Joe, you know, we were able to give him some stuff so he can keep safe, um, Mm -hmm. some masks. And then through that opportunity, we met um, some other folks. They said, hey, we we have um, we're making gowns as well. Uh, because they're just going through r- gowns like crazy and um, and they need some help with capacity. basically they had a team of sewers that they can keep up with the demand that it was just the cutting process and how do we how do we cut all these templates so that we can bundle them up and give them to uh, this army of of seamstresses And so we went to their process, kind of studied it and we we looked at it and said, okay, if we were able to take this bolt of fabric and put it, four or five poles at a time and run the entire table and use our paper patterns, we can kind of like hack the system a little bit and, and make it maybe three or four times as fast. We're cutting like 150 layers at a time. Um, just trying to find any bit of efficiency because we knew that, you know, the faster we cut, the more, the more of these bundles went into the hands to, to actually get into the auctioner uh, facilities. So um, man, it was, it, it was 24 hour days, you know, for us, it was three shifts. It was, you know, everybody was tired, you know, um, it was just, we were all really kind of at a break point towards the end when it started to slow up. And then finally the supply chain kind of caught up and that's where we got some relief and then things started to taper off a little bit, which is great. So that means that the medical need wasn't as severe um, and, and we can kind of transition, transition our team and get some rest. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. There's a couple things I heard in there. One um, is opportunity. In, in a meeting, y'all sat around and said, hey, look, there's something bad happening. What's the opportunity? And I think that's something that is, when you look at a lot of successful entrepreneurs, that's, that's the mindset is, hey, yeah, this is bad. Where's the opportunity? In fact, if you look at a lot of small businesses, a lot of small businesses start, entrepreneurs typically start out of something bad that happened. I lost a job. I'm going to start my own business. Um, so that that's they look for opportunity. Also, something else is um, entrepreneurs take risks. I mean, there's risk involved in entrepreneurship, right? and y- y'all had to take some risks, say is this do we want do we want to throw all of our all of our energy and, and our resources behind yeah um, this and then those are those are decisions. then finally, um, entrepreneurs oftentimes are creative, right here Here's the problem. yeah how are we gonna solve it? We have this really cool machine. And, you know, I think of, I think of like your CNC machine as like my wife has a little cricket that she can cut like little stickers out. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a cricket on, on steroids. Yeah. Um. But that's yeah. a, that's a cool story.
2: That's a super uh, cool story, but I, I want to know more details because you guys are a, a sign shop, right? We're a sign shop. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, I don't understand. How do you go from making signs uh, to making uh, PPE. PPE? Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. What, what kind of material are you using?
1: Yeah, so, so we're a sign shop, that's correct. Um, but I would kind of expand that word a little bit to industrial fabricator or um, maker space. Um, we have a ton of machines that they could be producing signs, they could be producing furniture, they could produce uh, just about anything that's mm. in fabrication space. So these these machines don't have a, a natural aptitude to just do graphics. They're um, Like no, we only do signs.
2: Yeah, we yeah. only do signs. Yeah.
1: That's it.
0: That's For it, union,
2: no. we only do signs.
0: I don't think um I don't think OPA provides uh tours to the general public, uh, but if you buy a sign from them, I'm sure that they'll walk you through their facility and it is yeah. fascinating. I mean the 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 way it's set up, the machines are are and it, it's like like he said, it's like an industrial fabrication warehouse. Yeah. So it's were power. you taking yeah go ahead were you
2: taking some kind of material that you could turn into a sign and turning that into PPE or did you get different materials? Yeah, so what, so what material yeah, are you using? So
1: for the face shields, it was a lot of Lexan, Um o thick, which is just really thin. Um, and then, yeah, I have no but,
0: idea. I have no idea what Lexan is. Okay, so is Lexan
1: that? is actually a sign product. It is bulletproof. Uh, if you've seen the show MythBusters and they, oh, okay. they put those uh protective shields for like all the bullet stuff that they do it's shatter resistant so it's really it's a really durable product um, so it can keep covid away from people these I are don't,
2: bulletproof masks these yeah. these are not don't bullet- shoot me in the face these are
1: these are not bulletproof masks they okay. are very durable as far as like you couldn't rip it if you tried so do you have to
0: put that disclosure on the box like um, these so- are not bulletproof
1: Okay. So a, a big piece of the story is we were just one of the vendors supplying one of the main hubs, which is Goodwood where, and they're a furniture company, you know, similar to us. And you can ask that same question. How do you get into this? That, that their opportunity came up. Yeah. And so, and and we were so grateful for, you know, partnering with those guys. And um, and so, yeah, so the, the gown material is not a sign material at all. It has mm-hmm. uh, nothing to do with signs. So, they would send us a tr- like truckloads of these big old bolts, you know, a whole truckload full and we would process that in like two, three days. Um, so uh, so
2: th- that's different in the sense of it's not, it's not how do we repurpose our materials for a mm-hmm. different use? Yeah. It's, how do we take other people's materials and, and feed it through a different process or yeah. our process mm-hmm. or how do we come up with a new process that makes yep. this more efficient?
1: Yeah. And so for us, we just we, we think about, OK, how would we do that if it was using all this equipment? So the paper patterns, the plotting, the ability to like draw really fast, you know, uh, patterns that that gave us an edge because, you know, the they don't typically have that type of um, service within, you know, the textile industry. Mm. So.
0: And your, your machines are like pinpoint accurate, like. Yeah. I've tried to cut, I've tried to cut something out with scissors and I can't follow a straight line, much less some like gown pattern so instead of throw it on yeah. a machine. So yeah. like, but basically, so, so I have this, I have this picture for like the mask. So you have these giant mm-hmm. sheets of like, I'm thinking like plexiglass, like clear, whatever, Lexan yeah. material. Yeah. And you just put it on your, your CNC machine, which is basically a router. Yeah, exactly. With the dimensions dialed mm-hmm. in That's and it's it. just cutting, it's just cutting hundreds of these per, minute or whatever, per whatever. So you put
1: this four foot by eight foot sheet, which comes on this like roll that's about a mile's worth of this roll, right? So you just kind of cut them as you need them. And then you put it on the vacuum table, which is the CNC machine, and it vacuums down and you have a little spindle. And then the spindle goes and cuts the shape based upon the computer program that you send. So there's all sorts of machining strategies and all sorts of things to make sure that from part to part, everything's uniform. Um, It's as accurate to the thousandth of an inch. Um, and so that cut the, the, the face part that wraps around your face. Um, and then we had the laser cutter, which uses a CO2 um, tube to condense some sort of, I, look, I'm not going to get into the science of how that actually works. But it, you can it, make stuff up because we wouldn't know anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know. Yeah. You've seen Dr. Evil and, uh, you know, how the sharks okay. with the laser beams. It's like that, but on a table. Oh, cool. Yeah, you get it.
0: <laughs> I've, I've got one of those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, that cuts the acrylic, and then that's the frame that goes around, like you would wear glasses, right? And so those two pieces interlock together. Um, it was pretty, pretty incredible. So they, they had a whole Oshner, like um, technology technology team doing R and D with us. It was, it was really great.
2: So. And and Oshner is a, a local, uh, giant, medical corporation here in
0: Louisiana. Mm-hmm. More regional now. Yeah. I say. Yeah. Okay. I Michael,
2: do you have some pictures of this kind of stuff that we could add to our show notes and so, sure. that, so that people could see what you're doing?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we, we have a whole um, if you go to Instagram, go to our OPA signs um, account, there's a whole um, story of videos and all sorts of fun stuff. We documented that whole, you know, uh, experience so you can kind of see some of the machines, the people touching the, the different types of materials. And um, it kind of tells that story really well. So I could share that to you guys.
0: Do you have any face shields hanging around? I'm gonna I'm gonna start walking yeah. around with face yeah. shield. I got you. I can make it happen. Take care of me. Yeah, all yeah. Right. One size fits all. Um, <laughs> <Almost>. <laughs> so here's what's interesting, and and I guess one of the reasons I wanted to te- I wanted you to tell that story mm-hmm. is your company. You had OPA in a in a position to be able to take advantage of that opportunity. So you were humming along as a company. You're yeah. relatively, you know, I would say pretty efficient. Just from all the conversations mm-hmm. um, that we had, that that kind of allowed you to hop in and operate. I would say um, relatively effectively and take advantage of an opportunity. And, and you kept mentioning a book traction and yeah. a system called EOS. I want to talk a little bit about that and how that's impacted um, how that's impacted your business at OPA and how that helped you be successful in in kind of this, this short term endeavor opportunity.
1: Sure. Yeah, so we um, we started EOS back in um, January of this year, so beginning of the calendar year. Um, but the traction journey for me started a year prior to that. So I've been consuming all the books, um, you know, speaking to different friends, uh, colleagues that have um, that that have EOS. Why, why don't you
0: why don't you take one step back? Tell us a okay, really sure. quick, like like yeah. describe traction, just so sure. um, uh, people kind of an idea of what you're talking about. Okay.
1: Yeah. So traction is, it's, there's nothing magic in it. It's not going to make your business grow and scale and take off um, just by reading the book or obviously. Um, So there's nothing magical in it. The way, the way I can kind of explain it really briefly is it, it takes all your best practices, your systems, your processes, your people, your data, and it puts it in a vehicle. um, That's just easily to understand. It's an oversimplified, operating system for your business. So if you think of your phone like an Apple or an Android, um, you have like a messenger, you have the phone part, you have a calendar, you have email, you have all these different operational parts within your phone. So EOS is basically, if you were to download into your company, these different widgets that help you do your best fundamental practices. You know, And, and for me, the, the core is the vision Right. And so the vision is where do you see yourself? Where's your company going? What kind of goals do you have? And the traction part of it is when that vision starts to come from that like floaty place in the sky down to the ground and actually get some really good uh, momentum. Right. And so that's when you take things in like 90 day goals. Right. And so we call those rocks. And so those rocks are how do we build towards that 10 year long term vision if we just do it part by part by part and so there's a lot of accountability and i think that that's the big part of goal setting that often fails even on a personal level is you know when you set a goal how do you how do you, how are you accountable to that goal and so what eos does for us is it allows us to sit in a circle right once a week and
0: check in on our goals so that there's no when, when you put it, when you put it that way, you make it sound really weird. So we kind of sit in a circle, Yeah, no. have a meeting, right? It's a meeting, right. you, don't, you don't have to sit in a circle. That's not an, mandated, right? It's
1: intentionally right? a level playing field. So the, oh, okay. the EOS meeting is typically our ownership group and some higher level management folks, um, that can speak to the process of growing our business. And that's, isn't that's, that's the entire, uh, goal is to create a better, more efficient, uh, harmonious business.
0: Right. yeah it doesn't sound much different than like other business planning type stuff. So when I read the I read the book several years ago, um, and if if you've ever asked me for a book recommendation on business, I recommended this book to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, traction. Um, one of the really big things for me, and and I loosely implement parts of it into our business. I know mm-hmm. for me, like one of the big things was um, it was kind of freeing, is early on, they talk about visionaries and integrators. Right. Mm-hmm. So you talked about that, that climbing the tree and looking forward and having a 10 year plan. And how are we going to get from here to there? That's kind of the visionary. They tend to to say things sometimes that don't always make sense that other people kind of right. look at and, that are kind of crazy. And this is this mm-hmm. is literally how this is literally how it's talked about in the book. Um, yeah. And then the integrators are the people who the ones on the ground who take that vision. Yeah. And, and implement it and integrate it across all those systems that you talk about. And for me, it was kind of freeing. Because uh, when I was that, when I was acting as the visionary in my business, mm-hmm. I always felt bad. I always felt guilty that I wasn't more on the ground, sometimes integrating some of those ideas.
1: So Gino Wickman, who's the author of Traction, um, has a bunch of spinoff books, and the very next book that I wrote, uh, read was um, Rocket Fuel, and so it's all about the combination between the visionary and the integrator. So when you think of Walt Disney World, you think of Walt Disney. He's the visionary. But you never hear about his brother who did all of the other stuff, who did the actual, you know, um, construction management and all the details of hiring and firing and staffing and all that stuff. So that's kind of the the there, there's a really great profile test online where you can discover what portion visionary, what portion integrator are you. And, and you might learn some things about yourself just by taking that test. Um, it's not just another you know, uh, online test to take, but it actually is pretty informative as far as like, you know, um, if you find yourself as a business owner or in a business and management, you, you have an obstacle in front of you. Um, knowing if you're a visionary or an integrator, um, how to remove that obstacle is largely dependent on your, what are your personal aptitudes to like conflict or those types of things. So,
0: yeah, it's a lot, Matt, what you talked about earlier, how a lot of counselors want to have their own practices, but they're not taught. They're taught to be really good uh, counselors, but they're not taught to be business owners. There's another really good yeah. book. I'm sure you've read it, E-Myth, The Entrepreneurial Myth, which yep. is which is a pretty popular book. Mm-hmm. And it kind of talks about the same thing, that businesses, there's three roles that need to be played in a business. The, um, the entrepreneur, I guess it'd be the visionary in traction language, the manager, and then the technician. Mm-hmm. The problem is most small businesses are technicians. They're really good at their craft, but they're not very good at the other aspects of a business. And that's why a lot of them fail. And and Traction just does a really good job. The EOS system does a really good job of of packaging all that.
2: Michael, you mentioned that OPA was a family or is a family business. So as you're you're learning uh, this new language, this new way to think about yourself, this new way to think about the business, are other family members in the business learning this stuff at the same rate? Are they, are they um, assimilating to it at the same rate? Sure. Um, and are you, are you finding out that family members are playing different roles in this new framework?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so throughout, since January, like prior to that, I had dedicated about a year's worth of you know, learning, getting into the implementer um, of, of how, do I, how do I take this system and then make it actually work for us, right? So, um, so through the teaching of what EOS is as an organization here, um, they say it takes about seven times before you hear something, before it really starts to take root and, and be part of like your, I understand this, I get it. And not only that, you can start to get deeper into that understanding as you say, okay, this is something new, but let me dig a little deeper here. So since January, we've met every single week, Um, haven't missed uh, a single Wednesday. It's a 90 minute meeting, so it unifies us all. Um, And so when we started in January, um, there was a two day offsite um, where we cast the vision together as a group as to where we're going. Um, And then we started to take, take that plan, which was a 10 year plan, boil it down to three years, boil it down to one year, and then boil it down to what's next for us in this next 90 days. So it takes it in small chunks to get to that big 10-year vision. And so we, we, we had a really great time. It was difficult. It was um, really good for us to kind of understand, okay, to get strategic about our business is going to take some work. You know, we've got to step outside the business, not just be in our sales and marketing roles or operations roles, right? So, so for us, that was the challenging part. And, and there was a lot of teaching and, and understanding the different systems and processes. I had a conversation uh, just yesterday. Um, somebody says, oh, I finally get that, why that's important. Why the accountability chart, the reason they call it an accountability chart is because who's accountable for this portion of the company and when does it transition from finance to sales? Or how, how did all these different pieces and parts um, work together in harmony um, it's just allowing people to, to have the space to say, this is mine, you know, this is our problem, but I will handle this problem and we'll check in next week and see how I did. So we have these little weekly check-ins, um, which are, which are everything for us.
0: One of the things that I really enjoyed about the book was, you know, every entrepreneur obviously wants to grow. We want to sell more. We want to be bigger, make more money. Mm. But there's a huge emphasis on internal growth that sometimes before you can really, grow big, um, and bring in more business, if you will, your processes, your internal processes need to be good. If not, they're not scalable. Yep. And I know you and I have talked a lot about processes and and it's taking the time to think through almost every step of the process. So it's almost scripted out. Right. And then I know something that, that you're big on was bringing in technology into certain parts of the process. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, share. I know you're a big um, HubSpot fan. Yeah. HubSpot is a, a um, um, oh my goodness, a uh, CRM. Thank you, CRM. I, I mm-hmm. lost it for a second there. How how has technology helped? I'm curious to hear a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So technology is it's a great uh, think of the operate the operating system analogy. It, it, it's a good way to plug in a process to those types of things. But I think. With the EOS process, you want to stay macro and not get too into the details, right? The details will always work themselves out, but every business has a core function, right? So for for us, our sales function, HubSpot allows us to make sure that all of our leads are coming through our pipeline, um, that we know um, all the details about the leads, and we can can communicate clearly and effectively to everybody that wants to reach out to us um, as a client. Um, And so it removes all those blind spots. And then once the sale gets converted, we'll use a project management software, which we use uh, Basecamp. And so Basecamp then takes all the details of the sale and converts it to operations. So now they have exactly what they need to get to work to actually making the sign or the graphic or whatever.
2: Going back to your your uh, earlier comments about how your company started to implement this um, the system. Mm-hmm. What what was your role in that? In that you are a, a, your owner, um, but part of the ownership group and and part of the family. Right. So what has your role uh, been in that
1: process? Sure. So um, that's there. There are professional EOS implementers um, who you can hire if you're an entrepreneur and your company needs EOS mm-hmm. or wants to go deeper with that. You can hire somebody who's been certified. Um, I want to be really clear. I am not um, a certified EOS implementer. Um, those folks have spent hours and hours and hours studying this system and really um, they, they've, they've just got a very formulaic way that these implementers go through. So, what I did was I said, okay, we, we don't have the budget right now to hire an implementer, but let me see if I can reverse engineer this and kind of figure it out. And so All the tools are communicated. There's no mystery as to, you know, how the pieces. So for me, it just made sense. I I was able to kind of figure it out Mm -hmm. with the help of some other friends who I went to their EOS meetings weekly, and I just kind of sat in and watched the process and asked questions afterwards. So I was just becoming a student of how practical it was implemented. Um, And so, yeah, so that that's definitely a goal of mine, you know, in the future is to become a EOS implementer and go through the process. Um, but my for your for your company, you kind of played that consultant role. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. and continue to play that. Yes. And so in in our company as well, I, I have that visionaries uh, title where I'm looking at, you know, 20 new ideas every week where we're just kind of brainstorming. So all the creative problem solving and opportunities and things like that, that's kind of my, my wheelhouse um, uh, and we have a sales and marketing director who's looking at how do we take these ideas and push them to the next level. Um, and so that's within our accountability chart. So we know that like, it's not all on one person. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been really, really good for us to understand that. Um, okay. If we get real strategic with our roles, we can all work more efficiently together. So
2: it's been, sometimes, you know, sometimes on this podcast, we say the process is the process is as important as the outcome mm-hmm. going through that process of whatever it is yeah. in this case your uh, leadership team uh figuring out how to implement this new strategy how has how has the process uh affected the outcome
1: yeah so it was a difficult process it was uh, it was a group therapy session with no yeah. uh no therapist uh at the at the helm uh-huh. um, where we're just kind of working on problems and um Trying to find the best solutions, but it was really incredible for us t- to take. I think there was five people in the room, and for us to all have, all have the same vision for where we want to head in 10 years was really powerful. So, like all those things were already kind of in our gut, in our you know in our minds that we hadn't had a chance to really speak together about. Which was really, to me, that was the the wow moment. That okay, there was not a whole lot of convincing to get somebody on our side or their side or whatever. We were all Kind of tracking in that same unity already which that that kind of set the tone for okay let's let's get really creative let's start looking at you know our target um you know uh, marketing efforts and who can we replicate that uh, that are already successful clients of ours that we have good partnerships with how, who's next to them in their industry and how can we um, reach out to those folks so it, it's definitely um expanded our, our reach quite a bit mm.
0: Yeah. And, and like you said, there's like nothing magical no. about the EOS system or, or, or the book traction. Um, what makes it magical, I think, is the, the transparency of it mm-hmm. and the accountability built yes. in. It's all about accountability because there's nothing here that we've talked about that's, uh, oh, I never thought about that. There's nothing rocket science about it. It's just right. the, the system in the executing of that system. And a lot of the I mean, a lot of the tools are out there. I mean, you don't have to
1: No, you can you can apply some of them and and probably get a lot of value out of it. So one of my favorite ones is the data. There's there's uh, six major components. One of them is data. And so every week we look at our data. So we look at our key measurables together as a group and data doesn't lie. Data doesn't does not have an opinion. It doesn't have feelings. And so uh, but what you can do is you can tell stories with data. And so for us we look at our measurables like revenue or you know deals that are closed you know uh, that are won, um, our receivables all sorts of key measurables that tell the story of uh, okay that's why this week felt it felt a little bit where it felt a little slower you could see it in the data or we felt really busy and you see those revenue numbers up and so for us that historically has been every quarter or every end of the year where you get your P&L, you're like, oh, wow, we should have made some decisions that um, we didn't really see happening. So the data for us allows us to forecast kind of a few weeks or months what to expect um, as far as operations is concerned and all sorts of things. So the data has been probably one of my favorite ones that, that, that has been most impactful.
0: One of the, the hardest for me is the, the people part where they talk Mm -hmm. about people, how important staff is and people are. And uh, you, you said this earlier. Um, and I think a lot of business owners, we hear this analogy, right? Like I got to get the right people on the bus, Yeah. If I can just get the right people on the bus, he takes it one step further and says, it's not about having the right people on the bus. No, it's about having the right people in the right seat on the bus. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's three Uh, criteria that they talk about. It's like, does, when you're talking about this person moving into another position, um, do they get it? Like, do they understand the role? Would they be good for it? Then you have to ask them: Do they even want it? Right? Because just because they get it doesn't mean that they actually want it. So that's important. That you just again don't hand somebody something like: Here's your solution. Here's your next step in life. You you, you have to have those two things. And the third one is: Do they have the capacity in their current day to day? So all three of those: Do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity? And to me, that that, that humanizes the process and allows people to speak and say, hey, this is what I need. If you want me to take this role, I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need maybe somebody to fill this spot, you know, so in my accountability box, we can reposition some things so we can start to see some growth, which is, man, that's been incredible for us, too, as well.
2: I, I have a couple of follow-up questions. Sure. Um, and they're they're a little bit more in my realm, you mm-hmm. know, they're therapy-esque. Um So just, just listening to you talk about that uh, we've all probably worked in workplaces where people were shoehorned into the wrong seat on the wrong bus Mm -hmm. um, and friction develops and morale drops. And so just, just curious about this process for you and for OPA, how has that, what has that done to morale at, at the shop?
1: Yeah. So I think my perspective is a bit unique because I, I started in this company doing the real estate installations, which is a lot of, you know, digging and um, just out in the sun. Um, and so understanding that um, that I've experienced a lot of those shoehorns where I've been put in a spot or, you know, I've seen it happen in other departments or have been in other companies where I've seen that. So my I think we've all been in those scenarios. So I think I've, I've taken that hurt or that, 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 that recent proximity to that experience and have flipped it around and said, okay, how would I have liked to have received that? Um, How would I? How could this have gone better? You know, um, so I think that that experience proximity was helpful.
2: Um, And what's that done for the group there?
1: Yeah, so. um, So for the group, it it allows them to have a voice into the system so that they can, you know, when we do these reviews um, on their jobs every six months, it's not how are you like how are we seeing your performance but it's an opportunity for them to speak in and say these are the things that i think would be better like allowing instead of just five or six people in that level 10 eos meeting saying how we think it should go allowing them to speak into it and say yeah um if i had these types of tools or if i was positioned here or those types of things so it just it's very transparent you know and so we have the ability to have a conversation where it doesn't just build up. They know that they can, they can the door is open anytime for any kind of conversations like that. So
2: we L- literally we more seats at the round table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the next question, I have a, two more, but the follow up, th- this one's a little bit more uh, personal in the sense of I work with lots of uh, entrepreneurs, um, lots of family owned businesses, and lots of men who are, my age um our ages who are who have made it in life enough where they're a little bit bored at this point in life they're they've kind of entered a phase of life where they're going what's what's gonna what's next on the horizon yeah just just curious for you what has this done for you personally in terms of uh, energizing your your career at this phase of your life
1: yeah so um i'm i'm definitely I have found you're much younger than me. First of all, <laughs> much. Younger. I was about
0: to say, Matt, you're calling him an old man, and like, he's, yeah. much I mean, younger. He's- yeah. So I, I think I, I've, I still have that
1: spark of wanting to always create something, whether it's a new startup or it's a um, advocacy group for something, um, you know, something like that. Just, just finding more. I think also, you know, purpose, cause, passion is is, is important. Like, what it can't just be a job. For me, you know, it's got to have some sort of connection to something that that's impactful. So, um, yeah. And what what is this?
2: Uh, what is this done for your your home, your family? Uh, sure. um, you know, all all of us who are interested in business and are entrepreneurial that 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 business becomes a love, but mm-hmm. we also go home. And I, I wonder what uh, what's this done for your home?
1: So um, so the kids are hearing the conversations that me and my wife are having about EOS. And she's been a great sounding board for a lot of these ideas as I'm kind of just wrestling around with these thoughts on how to implement certain things. She's giving me good insights as to her perspective. And so the kids are naturally hearing this in the house Mm -hmm. and they're saying, well, what, what if we did our weekly meeting and discussed our issues and and set goals together and i'm like this is uh this is actually their idea you know and oh, so wow we don't have a formal type plan but they're in the they're in the room and they hear the conversations and they understand it and it to me that's that's incredible because i feel like we're we're you know yeah. um, we're building something with them so it's fun. I see they're, neighborhood they're applying it
0: I saw them all sitting in a circle. They must have been having their uh, leadership meeting. Yeah.
1: you see <laughs> all the lemonade stands and types of things that lily we, we have
0: some <laughs> entrepreneurs in the neighborhood, man. We huh? really do. Yeah. yeah. Man, my kids are like, what can I do to make money? You know? yeah. I want to start a business. Yeah. Um,
2: my kids are like, how do you feel about that? <laughs> how yeah. do you feel?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Matt, you threw me off. That's Sorry. Awesome. Um, I want to, Matt, do you have, any, you have any other follow-up questions? I just kind of want to follow up on one last thing and then we can start wrapping this up. But th- there's been a theme throughout th- the entire conversation of uh, process, process, process. Matt said that we often talk about, uh, this is, I learned from him that, you know, oftentimes the process of counseling is more important than the counsel. Um, you know, for me, I talk with clients, the process of financial planning of the process of, of understanding your budget and looking at your cashflow is as important as the actual budget, um, itself. So process is obviously something that's very important. EOS is built on mm. processes. An early, early, early influencer, uh, to me in business, he always told me, he said, Eric, if you ever have a problem, turn it into a process and it'll no longer become a problem. Mm. Um, and there's something that I've heard more recently that, um, yeah, you know, we can't solve all of our problems with processes. So the question is, and this is one of the things that EOS does. I know it does for your team. Uh, it kind of gives your team a common language. Yeah. So someone say something and you understand what they're talking about. So one of the things that we say in our office is, Hey, is this a problem that we need to solve or is this a tension that we just need to figure out right. how to manage, so talk a little bit, how do you determine if right. hey, this is an obstacle or a problem that we can solve with a new process or. Hey, you know what? This is. There's yeah. always going to be a tension between sales and service, and we just have to sure. figure out how to manage.
1: Yeah. So I think the language that we've established is: um, Do we need to circle a transition between two different departments, or a process, or a problem? And what we do is we identify issues weekly in our level ten meeting. Um, and so level ten is we're always striving to be a ten. You know, so certain weeks, our effectiveness we will we'll rate our, our meetings. So our, our, our processes are dynamic, right? Nothing's set in stone. Um, and so our ability to create a difference between, is this an issue that somebody in their accountability chart needs to handle? So, like, is it a short-term weekly issue that can be solved really quickly, or is it a long-term issue that actually might be a project like a rock? That is growth oriented, right? So that's a 90-day type thing. So we like to kind of divide them into two, um, or is it is it just on? That's your the, your responsibility as the director of sales. Like, tighten up that process and, and make sure that you know you're sticking to the game plan that we've we've developed. You know, so um, is it followed by all? You know, is it well known? Do do people know these processes? Um, is that is that the issue? You know is it too um is it too much like is this process too too um, problematic because there's too many steps how can we simplify this great thing about eos that in my opinion is its simplicity so your entire business plan is on two pages on a pdf right mm-hmm. that's your your long-term and short-term goals um you know and so your issues list is on that and so it's it's all very accessible easy simple you know, so I think a lot of times our processes become, become too complicated and we, we get in our own ways, so we're trying to craft this perfect experience when really you just need to kind of craft a simple experience, you know,
0: from A to B. Yeah. So, I find yeah. that it, I find that it always gets more complicated before it gets simple again. Mm, yeah. And I think, uh,
1: simple, simple is complicated, you know, to do something very simple and, and the right solution that's a very difficult thing to do sometimes.
0: It is my favorite Bruce Lee quote. It goes something along the lines of this. Before you learn the art, the martial art, right? A punch is just a punch and a kick is just a kick. Hmm. But as you learn the art, a punch is no longer a punch and a kick is no longer a kick. But once you've learned the art, a punch is just a punch and a kick is just a kick. I think that is the perfect hmm. um, synopsis of building out business processes. I'll so, put you on a little bit. <laughs> think about that, man. We'll we'll have a we'll have a beer and... and uh, and, and chat on that one day on the front porch.
2: You you, you should punch each other.
1: We
0: no. should practice it. Yeah. Is this
1: really a punch? <laughs> is this really?
0: I don't want to get punched by you, man. I do not get, just a kick.
2: I'm not a I'm not a, I'm
0: not a I'm not a fighter. I'm not a fighter. Matt, do you have any closing comments or questions before I let Michael kind of maybe share share any final thoughts?
2: You know, I I um I I love the stories of the COVID pivot as I think of it, when businesses found a new way to do something. Um, and I, I think that's amazing. And, and what you guys were able to do uh, just sounds really amazing. Not, I mean, not only is it just a new, a really cool application of your uh, fabrication abilities, but it actually was helpful to a lot of people. So mm. I, I really do appreciate that. And thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and I would love to put out a call to others that if, if, if you are in a business that w- were able to do a really interesting pivot uh, like OPA and like Michael, uh, we would love to hear from you. We have a um, a contact form at uh, building-us.com, and we would love to hear from your business about how you were able to do the COVID pivot, like Michael. It would be it would surprise me if people were able to pivot as successfully and as uh, as uh, interestingly as as you guys were at OPA. Good job.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. The COVID pivot. That sounds like a uh, a New Orleans dance move. Right. It definitely does. Or, or maybe or, a new a Netflix uh, docu series. The COVID, COVID pivot. pivot. We should do that. We should do that. Um, yeah, Michael. I think um, um, you know entrepreneurship is fun. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's risky. It's challenging. It's hard. It's emotional. Um, so I think you know a couple takeaways from some of the things that you said that I think are so important. Is accountability is um, is huge, um, not just to your team, but you talk about being in a peer group. So, like you mm-hmm. hang out with other entrepreneurs, yep. you hang out with other people who can tell you, "Hey, do this, don't do that," or who've been where you want to be and can give you some really um, tactical things to do. Um, to get there, and I love the fact that you and your wife have. I mean, I'm sure Matt, as the the couples counselor, likes this too. The fact that you and your wife have these conversations, and and she's part um, she's part of it. I know that the conversations that you and I have had over the past couple of years have been um, impactful for me, and they've actually inspired me to to do some cool things with with some of the programs that I'm about to launch here moving forward. Just some of the the reactions and 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 uh, support and encouragement that I've gotten from you. So, man, I appreciate. Um, from a business standpoint, but also from a friendship and encouragement standpoint, it's been, it's a, it's a lot of fun. So give us some closing thoughts and then we'll, we'll go from there. If someone wants to, if someone wants a sign, yeah, like real practically, Oh, this guy does signs and he sounds cool. And this sign, where do they go?
1: Yeah. So start at our website, opasigns.com. Um, we have an online store that has some stuff that you can buy ready made. Um, but also we can help you fabricate something that's uh outside the norm you know we were a fun creative um industrial fabricator and if you have a project come by we'll give you the willy wonka tour you can see all the different stuff all the different machines uh it's an experience so uh no money back uh, guarantee for the tour but i'm sure you'll you'll learn something and see something maybe a project that you're like you get inspired by so yeah i appreciate it. awesome that. man
0: thanks for uh Thanks for taking time to come share with us and our listeners. It's always fun to hear other people's stories. Uh, entrepreneurship is, is squarely, squarely in the foundation of this idea of building us, of, of investing in relationships, investing in building our family. So appreciate your
1: input. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys too as well.
2: Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit DrMattMorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated.